Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, AJ Hogue, where AJ's more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's AJ with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. Hi, my name is AJ Hogue, the author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native. Join my VIP program. Join today at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. That is EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Speak English fluently, powerfully, confidently. Think in English. Train English with me. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Dot com. What you doing? What you doing? What you doing? What you doing? Why? What you doing? Why? Why? What you doing? Why? <laughs> These two sentences I have heard hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times when I hang out, especially with my little nephews or niece. They ask me this question, these two questions, endlessly, endlessly. They follow me around everywhere I go. I just happened, this just happened to me with my uh, niece yesterday and today. So she visited, spent the night with us, her and her mom did. And most of the time she followed me around or followed my wife around. Just watching everything we did, everything carefully. <laughs> and anytime we did anything, she would say, What you doing? No, of course, she said it in Japanese because she's Japanese, but I have uh, American nephews and they say it in English. What you doing? What you doing? What you doing? What you doing? Doesn't matter. Anything I'm doing. If I get on the computer, what you doing? If I go get a cup from the kitchen, what you doing? <laughs> Constantly. This unstoppable curiosity. Right? About what's happening. What are you doing? What you, what you doing is kind of a... Ca very casual way to say, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? But if we say it fast, then we say, whatcha, whatcha, whatcha doing? Whatcha doing means, what are you doing? Right? So they're just constantly watching everything. If you have kids, you know how this is, right? Especially with little guys. They, they const they're so curious about anything that the adults are doing or anybody else really older kids too they follow them around what are you doing 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 curious 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 about everything and they just ask this question hundreds sometimes thousands of times <laughs> per week <laughs> never ending 
And then, especially my uh, one of my nephews in uh, America, he loves the second question, which is why. Which, of course, is very difficult to answer many times. What you doing? Getting a cup. Why? Uh, getting some water. Why? Because I'm thirsty. Why? <laughs> like, ah, stop talking. Stop asking me these questions. <laughs> right? It'll make you crazy sometimes because they're so curious about everything. They, they, they want to know everything. And, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be anything big. Just small stuff. Just small everyday stuff. And they're so super curious about it. And, of course, the other thing they do is they walk around the apartment and they grab everything they can find. What's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? Right? They're just going through grabbing everything they see that looks interesting. And, and that's almost everything. And they, they want to grab it and look at it and shake it and throw it on the ground and <laughs> put it in their mouth. Right? This endless unstoppable curiosity and this unstoppable desire to explore and to observe to test things it's so natural we all recognize it in small children before school age right the thing is though this is really a human trait now of course as we become adults it will take a different form, right? Our, that natural curiosity will change the way we, the way we follow it will change as we become smarter, become adults, more experienced. Of course, we're not going to just follow every, everybody around and say, what you doing, what you doing, what you doing, what you doing. But the same spirit of strong, powerful curiosity, it is, it's a human trait we, te- we tend to, we generally think of it as something that small children do. Uh, that's, just some, that's just small children. They're just like that. We don't realize that this is actually a natural human trait. And that this is a powerful natural human trait that should be, that can be part of our lives, our entire lives. But sadly, of course, we think that this is something that becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. We tend to think of adults not having this powerful curiosity. Well, even teenagers. Based on my experience teaching lots of different ages of children, being in contact with them, it's generally sometime in the teenage years that this seems to totally disappear or almost totally disappear. But really, it becomes much weaker even in elementary school age. There's a big change that happens after just a couple years of school, right? You'll see them when they're three years old, four years old, just super curious, right? It makes you crazy because they constantly want to know everything. And then they go to school. They go to kindergarten, usually, in, in most places. Now, kindergarten is, is mostly a lot of play, okay? It's to get them used to this idea of the system of being with a bunch of other kids the same age and sitting in a room together. But they don't just hit them with textbooks and all the horrible stuff immediately. That would be too much of a shock. It would be miserable for them. So the plan is they first try to make 
kindergarten. Sometimes they have something called preschool, which is before kindergarten. They try to make these things lots and lots of fun and games and painting and art. Kind of trick the kids and the parents. See, look, school's fun. School's fun. Right? They kind of... It's a, I think it's kind of an evil trick, honestly, because we all know all that fun and p- painting and games and is quickly disappears after kindergarten. So usually or often you won't see quite a big change in curiosity at kindergarten level when they first start that level of school because they're not getting their curiosity destroyed at that point but where you will notice a quite a big difference is usually around first or second grade now they're still young they still have tons of energy they're still going to be curious about things but if you compare it to when they were three or four or even five With most kids, you will see a fairly big change, a fairly big drop in curiosity, a change in attitude, a significant change in attitude. This will then continue with each year of school it getting worse and worse. And then usually, the trend usually is when they hit middle school, when they hit the teenage years, around somewhere around 13 or 14, you will see a huge change, a big shift, a big change. And by 15, usually the change is complete. And that wonder, that incredible natural curiosity, that incredible uncontrollable enthusiasm for learning and exploring and the excitement of figuring things out seems to disappear or at least mostly disappear it's re- and what's it replaced by well in the most teenagers it's replaced by boredom being bored or pretending to be bored Disinterest, right? Oh, I'm not interested. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And most of all, this desire to appear cool. Cool. This is the word we'll u- we use in America. Maybe described in different ways in different countries, but in America, we have this whole culture of cool for kids. It's, and it's happening younger and younger in the United States. When I was going through school, it was something that happened somewhere around middle school, especially middle school and then definitely high school. I think it's starting to happen in the elementary schools now quite a bit from what I've seen in the United States. Cool. And this comes from the media. It's a there's a culture of cool. That's what the whole rock and roll thing is about. Right. That started way back in the 50s. Suddenly, being smart, being good, being a hard worker, being a kind and helpful person, being excited about learning, and all those things became not cool, uncool. No, what's cool? Cool is is having the right fashion. Cool is pretending like you're not interested. Cool is listening to the right music, whatever is considered popular and cool at this time wearing the right fashion whatever is considered cool now which of course will change 
10 years from now, everything that everything that's cool now, 10 years from now, 10 years in the future, people will uh, will laugh at it and say it's not cool anymore. So you can see it, it hasn't there's no meaning to it. It's meaningless. It's just determined by media and advertising. And this culture of cool depends so much on the schools because what what makes this culture of cool powerful is the media, first of all. It's created through the media first. Where do kids get these ideas about what's cool? Through the media. Okay, it doesn't just happen randomly. No, it happens through the media. That's why this some band or some music is cool and something else is not cool. Certain kind of shirts and pants are cool and other ones are not cool. And on and on and on and on and on. But where the real power of it comes is from the schools because they get the idea from the media, then they go to the schools. And then the bullies, right, the popular kids, the bullies in the school, then create this culture. And how do they do it? They bully anybody who's not cool. They bully anybody who does not follow this culture of cool. If a kid's too enthusiastic, too excited about learning something and and shows that in class, oh, this is so amazing, wow, I'm so curious about this, about chemistry, let's say. What's going to happen in most schools? Ah, the cool kids will start to laugh at this kid, start to make jokes about him. It's not cool to be excited about chemistry. It's not cool to be super enthusiastic about physics. Or what if uh, these kids who are so super curious and enthusiastic, what if they're just really kind, kind of gentle? The gentle kids don't typically do well in schools. They're also not cool. No, being gentle and kind is not cool. It's not the culture of cool. No, being being the opposite, being being kind of mean, that's cool. Being a little bit of a bully is cool, right? Joking about the uncool kids, saying bad stuff about them, laughing at them. That's cool. That shows that you're at the top of the cool culture in the schools. Pretending not to care about learning. That's cool. That's part of the culture of cool. And what if some uh, kids, uh, you know, they don't have the right fashions, either because of money, although I'd say money is not really the issue anymore. It's just more of a, I don't know, personality or something. What if, what if a kid's just more individual? They don't care about all that stuff. And they dress, they dress in a way that's really uncool. Their fashion looks kind of, they don't look cool at all. They, it looks kind of foolish to the fashionable kids. Well, then that, that kid gets bullied and laughed at also. And so we can see is it's a whole culture of peer pressure. That's what this culture of cool is about. Peer pressure. The media creates it. And then the peers, meaning the other kids in, this, in schools, they enforce it. It's enforced through bullying, laughter, ridicule, criticism. Anybody who's different. Any kid who's different in a way that's not cool suffers. And so what this does is it creates conformity. You can see that the reason it's done, the, the, the reason for this system is conformity. Every kid, including the bullies, okay, in, including the ones that's the top, in fact, they probably suffer the most f- later in life 
because they all become super conformist, terrified, terrified of being different, terrified that that they won't be cool anymore and that they will become bullied, that other pe- that the other kids will laugh at them. See, this is where this terrible fear of being criticized really comes from, I think, is the schools. And even the kids who are not bullied, they're not bullied in the school. You know, they kind of become a little bit invisible, but they see the other kids getting bullied. So there's, they still get that fear. They're like, oh, thank God I'm not one of those poor kids getting bullied and laughed at all the time. So it still creates the fear because they see the message. If you're too different, if you're not cool enough, which means follow the media, do what you're told, follow the people at the top, follow the cool kids. If you don't do that stuff, then you get teased and bullied and your life is miserable. So, oh, very scary to be different. Very scary to get criticized. To not fit in with the other mindless rule followers and conformists. And then the ones at the top. The cool kids who are doing most of the bullying. They're the most mindless of all. Right? Because they, they are just mindless zombies following what's given to them in the media. They think they're cool. They think, they think these ideas are coming from themselves, but of course they're not. This is not just happening randomly because they're, they're just because they're so great. Of course not. So they, more than any others, they feel a sense, a feeling of power in that school system, but they know that that power comes from being a complete conformist. And so guess what happens to them when they become adults? They get out in the adult world and nobody's telling them what to do anymore. They don't do so well, a lot of them. A lot of those people who are the big stars in high school have pretty miserable lives as adults. And they look back at high school as the great time of of their life. Oh, the good old days. Oh, I was so wonderful in high school. How sad is that? It's hard for me to imagine a sadder life than to believe that when you were 17, that was the peak. That was the top. Good Lord. That's a very long life after that. (laughs) Feeling like it all started going down, down, down. So nobody benefits from this, except, of course, the people at the top with the power. The media and the people who control the media, they benefit quite a bit because everybody's afraid to be different. Everybody's afraid to look for themselves. Everybody just, just accept what the media tells them and do what they're told. But for most people, this school system and this media school combination is a disaster. For me, it's tragic. It makes me sad and angry at the same time. Hard for me to laugh about this one. Sometimes I can laugh about things that are kind of tragic, right? I mean, sometimes that's the best thing. You can do nothing else. But this one makes me furiously angry. When I see that bright, magical curiosity and enthusiasm for life in these young children... 
And then just a few years later, I see so much of it gone because of the damn school systems. And then I see these clueless, foolish teenagers throwing it away, throwing the rest of their greatest humanity, just throwing it away to be cool so that no, or at least so nobody else will think they're not cool. Throwing away their excitement, their curiosity, their enthusiasm, the very best of their humanity, throwing it away or hiding it. Sometimes a lot of kids hide it. They don't, luckily they don't throw it away and some do of course manage to bring it back when they become adults, but uh, most of those kids hide it during those teenage years. It's too risky, too scary to be really different, especially in a, in a way that's positive and wonderful. That makes me angry. That's why I absolutely hate that school system. I hate it, I hate it, and I hate it. That's why when I worked in it a few times at the college level, I became sick. Mentally just felt I was sickened. I was disgusted by what I saw. I already knew, of course, because you know I, I was a kid. I went through that system. And then to be on the other side of it as a teacher, I couldn't do it. I could not do it. I just couldn't do it. I tried to do it in kind of an independent way, but it wasn't enough. And it was clear to me the system cannot be saved. It can only be destroyed. It must be destroyed. I mean, that's what Effortless English is about. You know, you took English classes in school. How many years did you take English classes in school? How many English classes did you have? Think of the years, years, years of English and yet did not learn to speak. It's unbelievable when you think about it. Years and years and years. And then you, you start with effortless English. Maybe you join my VIP program. And in one year, you're speaking fluently. You see a huge improvement in just one year as an independent learner outside of the school system. And maybe before you were in classes for... I don't know, like, I think of Japan, for example, as, as an example. Three years they get English in middle school. Most of them get another three or more years in high school. That's up to six total years. Then they go to university. Maybe it's another year or two. Now we're up to seven, eight years of English. Get out and are afraid and uh, not confident enough, not good enough to have just a, a, a fairly easy, basic conversation. After six, seven, eight years? Good Lord. What an example of complete failure of the school systems. I mean, does even at the, the, the most basic thing they're supposed to do, which is just teach a skill like this, complete failure. And then when you see the social negative effects, this conformity, this culture of 
cool, this destruction of curiosity. Well, the, then it, you see that it's actually even evil. It's not just incompetent. There is something evil about it. So I'm happy. I'm happy you joined my VIP program. Not just because I know you getting better results. You're going to speak fluently. You're going to achieve your goals for English. Of course, I'm happy about that. You're happy about that. But the bigger picture is you're showing. You're showing through your actions, not just talk. You're showing through your actions the power of independent learning. You're experiencing it yourself as an adult. See, your curiosity is not dead. Your independence is not dead. It's still alive, and that's fantastic. And it probably is growing and growing and growing now as you become more and more and more of an independent learner. And as you do this, as you get this success, see, what I'm excited about for you and for in general is that your success multiplies because you become an example. This is why, again, you're a leader. You show the power, not only of effortless English. It's not just about me. It's not just about effortless English. It's not just about English. It's much bigger than that. You're showing the power of independent learning, education, the power of, of that natural human curiosity and desire and enthusiasm for learning, lifelong learning. You're showing the power of being the master of your own learning. Other people will see it. Other people will see the results. You don't have to say much. People will notice the results. And in this way, you're also helping to change this system. Just by your example, through your actions. So when you are learning with the VIP program, for example, you're doing it for more than just you. I, maybe that's not your goal. Maybe you don't think about it, really. But you are. You are. You're influencing other people. You're helping to show the power of this independent learning. Breaking the power of the schools. And it is my hope that this incredible revolution of independent learning, online learning is going to grow and grow and grow and grow more and more powerful. I'm doing my part with English, but I hope we do it the same thing with with reading, with uh, with everybody's native language, with history, with science, with mathematics, all of it. And then Maybe we won't see this because if you if one thing you'll notice about homeschoolers, they don't lose that curiosity. They don't have that cool thing. They don't care about being cool so much. You meet a home, someone who is homeschooled from a young age, you know, starting when they were little, and you meet them at age 14, 15. What you're going to notice, you're going to notice a few things, but immediately you'll notice they're quite different than most kids their same age. You're going to notice, you just feel immediately talking to them, wow, they're, they're a lot different than the average 15-year-old kid. Most of them, you will notice, have much better communication skills with adults. 
they're much more comfortable talking to adults because they've been at home, they've been communicating with their parents and probably other adult family members. They haven't been taken away and put in the schools and just hanging around other kids their age only. They're around a mix of ages, and this makes them typically, I mean, every kid's different, of course. Some kids are very shy. But overall, what I've noticed is that these homeschooled kids as teenagers, they seem very mature, emotionally mature in a good way. They seem uh, emotionally confident, much more confident, and especially with communication. Like, you can just talk to them. I met, remember meeting, I've met someone I've traveled, actually, around the world. Occasionally meet a family that homeschools and is traveling with their kids around the world, which is really fantastic. And that's one of the first things I always notice is, God, these kids, at any age, not just the teenagers, really, even the young guys and girls, I'm always amazed at how good their communication is. They'll just sit there and talk and tell stories and they they seem very confident talking to strangers and ad- other adults. And uh, Whereas I notice a lots and lots and lots of uh, kids and teenagers uh, let's say in the United States or, and elsewhere uh, like they, they just they don't know how to connect with another adult especially someone who's not their parents they become shy right they're so worried this cool thing they're so worried about being cool that they they, they just don't ha- they, they don't know how to just to be real and be honest and be themselves and just confidently talk to another human being normally they struggle with that but not the homeschool kids. The other thing about the homeschool kids is they are so much more energetic and enthusiastic and curious still. So you meet one and they're 15, 16 years old. And instead of just, if you ask them, what are you doing? What are you learning? Instead of, well, I don't know, it's school. Uh, you know, this is kind of common answer you get from high school kids in America. <laughs> they're, they're more likely to tell you about a bunch of several cool projects they're doing and really fascinating, interesting things they're learning and maybe they're trying to start some little business online or uh, they're doing some internship somewhere. They're, they're usually doing some really interesting, cool things and they're excited about it and they're happy to talk about it. They still, they have kept that incredible natural curiosity and wonder about the world. Ah, that is magical. That is why I keep talking about this. Because it is a tragedy for any human being to lose that. Now, on the other hand, it's such a wonderful miracle when you realize it does not have to be lost. It's the schools and the media, but it's that combination that destroys it. Naturally, we're meant to be super curious. Look at a lot of the famous... uh, Let's say famous scientists of history. Let's look at Isaac Newton. There's a famous one. Sir Isaac Newton. He didn't study. He didn't go to university and get a degree in physics. He was just super curious about it. And, of course, became (laughs) uh, one of the greatest physicists ever. The foundation of classical physics comes from his findings his theories his ideas powerful so think of that as you're learning your VIP lessons remember you're an inspiration 
You are naturally a, lead, uh, naturally a leader. And the effortless English family and the effortless English family, we're all learners, but we're also all leaders. Everyone is a leader, including you. Just through your actions, you will inspire others. You don't even have to try. You will, I promise you. I was reading a book today about... Uh, well, it's a woman who homeschools. It's a book by a woman who homeschools and who has a very large family. And good practical tips in there. But uh, my favorite quote, she talked about one of, the, uh, one of the fears, one of the other fears people have about homeschooling. There, you know, there are several. I've discussed some of the fears people have. One fear, I know, is that people worry that what if there are gaps? Like, what, what if you do homeschooling and then your, your child becomes 18 years old and they miss something they didn't learn something right there's a gap oh they never they never learned about the Napoleonic Wars oh my god they never learned about the Meiji period of Japan oh my god there's oh we failed well she made the point and she's 100% right is that it's impossible for anybody to learn everything and that, of course, there will be gaps, right? There'll be missing knowledge. <laughs> there, there's so many interesting things. Just history. Look at the amount of history that a human being could learn. You can just pick one area. When I went to school, for example, well, there's huge gaps, huge missing knowledge because I learned nothing at all about Asian history, when I was in school. So I graduated from high school. Well, indeed, I graduated from uh, university with almost zero knowledge of the history of Asia. And, and that means uh, everything <laughs> from Japan all the way over uh, um, maybe to about modern day uh, Iraq, including all of Asian Russia. Learn nothing about it at all. Southeast Asia, India, learn nothing about that history, right? Because our history books at that time when I was in school focused on the Mediterranean area, kind of the cradle of Western civilization. And then, of course, I'm American, so we learned American history. So it was very Western-focused. Was that wrong? No, I don't think it was wrong because uh, I was in an American schools and... Those are the roots of our culture and our history. And again, it's impossible to learn everything. You can't teach kids even in 18 years. They're not, they can't learn all of history. It's impossible. And so you have to realize there are gaps in all curriculum, including the ones at schools. They make choices. There's not enough hours a day. There's not enough time to learn everything. So they make choices. And if they choose to teach one thing, that means they're not teaching something else it's becoming even worse now because now with the kind of communist takeover of the school systems around the world they're starting to teach all kinds of lies all kinds of ridiculous political things and all kind of, they're, they're teaching lies about biology you know teaching that oh there are more than two genders it's not just man and woman or male and female no they're actually many 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 of them and if a man pretends to be a woman it means he really is a woman you know that kind of nonsense it's an obvious example but and yet it 
it is happening in schools all through America and all around the world. That's a small example, but that, that kind of ridiculous political stuff, the ridiculous lies that we see in Animal Farm. This is just an Animal Farm technique. They've taken over the schools and now they're going to teach all these lies because they know if they get to the young children, then they can have these children grow up believing these lies and capture their minds, just like the pigs did in Animal Farm. But what this also means, <laughs> in addition to that very scary, evil uh, political goal, what it also means, though, is that uh, the more time they spend teaching these lies or just foolish, stupid stuff, useless things, it means there's less time for them to teach other things that might be interesting or powerful or meaningful or useful. And so in any modern school, your, your, your child, if you just send them to school, you think, oh, well, you know, the curriculum is designed by professionals. Oh, I'm sure they know what they're doing. No, they don't. And they're not professionals. They're idiots. They're, they're left-wing, mostly left-wing, kind of communist, uh, animal farm type people who want to brainwash your child with their politics. That's what they're doing. That's who controls the school systems. There are some nice individual teachers, of course, but they operate in that system and they therefore follow the rules. The system is evil. There may be a few people with good hearts within that system, but they become corrupt immediately or they leave. That's, that's the two choices. If you work in an evil system, you either leave or you start to do the evil because you're afraid of losing your job or whatever. These are the only two choices. I left. But the point is now, just as you saw with English, that there's so much time wasted on nonsense that there are huge gaps. So, no, these are not professional people. No, these curriculum, right, these these plans of study from the schools are not super scientific and accurate and truthful. No, no, no. Your kid, if they go to the school, they're going to graduate missing a huge amount of important knowledge and information. Why am I talking about this? Uh, you know that the schools are evil. The reason I'm talking about this is to try to help you overcome this particular fear. This fear that if you homeschool, oh my God, maybe my kids won't learn everything necessary. What I'm trying to tell you is, by homeschooling, your kid will definitely, your children, will definitely learn more, far, far, far more useful, meaningful information, skills, values, than any school system. Okay? You will absolutely do better than the school systems. So, it's, it's, it's uh, again, it's another irrational fear because you will do better than them you would have to be pretty pretty uh, stupid and, and really not like your kids to do worse than the schools you have to remember the schools don't like your kids they don't love your children they don't care about your children you do I'm assuming you love your children so just that alone that motivation <laughs> will get you much better results than the schools. 
so you're, you're don't worry about gaps okay it's natural okay I you're every single human being cannot learn everything in 18 years there's so many important things so you, you will have to make choices of course you will homeschooling you have to make choices maybe your kid uh, you know if, if your child is Italian then yeah you're probably gonna focus more mostly or more on Italian history going all the way back the Roman Empire of course you would and therefore you you might not teach your child so much about American history it's less important but okay no big deal that's natural there's no problem it's, it's totally fine what mostly what you're doing is teaching your child a process of lifelong learning so then later in their life if they become interested in the United States they could on their own as independent learners go read some books and they could learn a huge amount about American history if they wanted to I mean, that's what I've done with Asian history as an adult. Didn't learn any of it in school, but then I started traveling to Asia. I got interested in, uh, initially, in a few parts of Asian culture, certain countries. Then I started traveling to different countries in Asia. And each, whenever I traveled, I learned the geography. I started reading about the history of those countries I traveled to. And then I started reading more and more and more. And now I have... I'm not an expert on it, but now I have a pretty good knowledge of kind of major parts of uh, Asian history. I, and I really I should say Asians really too general. Japanese, uh, some Thai history, Thailand, India, especially those countries because I've traveled to those countries, lived in some of those countries. And it'll be the same with your children. So it's no problem if your child is Italian. And then, of course, you, you focus more on Italian history and culture and, and tradition and all that, of course. Or, or if your child's Brazilian, you're Brazilian. Okay, then, of course, you're going to focus more on, uh, you know, Brazil's history and maybe even South America in general. You're going to spend a lot more time on that than you would on the United States or, you know, African history or something like that. Of course, it just makes sense. Don't worry about it. You can't do everything. You got to make choices. Going back to the book I was just reading, here's a quote. Instill an ethic of hard work, the ability to read, basic math, and curiosity about the world. This is all you need to give your children tools to lifelong learning. Ah, so... She identifies the important parts of education. It's not all the specific things. Oh, they've got to learn about all the emperors of the Roman Empire. Oh, my God, they've got to learn calculus. Or No, 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 no. That specific stuff. Okay, look, they've got to become lifelong learners. They don't have enough time to learn everything in just 18 years. You want them to be learning their whole life. And so the way you do it is... The things you focus on with independent education. This is for you too, by the way, but especially when you're teaching your kids. Number one, instill, which means give them an ethic, a value of hard work. So number one, teach them the importance of working hard, hard work, trying, trying. Talked about that two days ago, right? So heart, teaching hard work. That's probably the most important one. Be independent. Find the answers. Keep working. If, if, if you're frustrated, take a break and then come back and keep trying again. That's the number one skill. 
teach that. Number two, teach the ability to read. Of course, reading is the master skill that unlocks so much knowledge. Teach your child to read. Luckily, that's easy. It doesn't take that long. Number three, basic math. Again, pretty easy. Just take your time, be patient. They don't need to learn calculus, okay? Every single person in the world does not need to learn advanced calculus. Some will choose to do it, but it's not necessary. As long as they get basic math, they'll be be able to operate in the world just fine and they'll be able to learn more advanced math if they choose and if you choose to encourage that. But basic math is the key thing. Ability to read, basic math, hard work, and then number four, super important, curiosity about the world. Curiosity about the world. This equals the tools for lifelong learning. These four, these four are what your child, what every child needs to be a lifelong learner, to have success in life, whatever that means, have a meaningful life, happy life, to function and do well in our modern societies, is these four. These are the four fundamentals. You'll notice something. Two of them are skills, and two of them are mindsets. That's interesting. Right? There's two skills, reading and math, reading and basic math. Those are the two skills. Obviously, they're important. But then the other two are mindsets. Hard work, working hard, trying being an active learner, being an active problem solver, the importance of working hard, hard work, and the other mindset, curiosity about the world. Keeping alive that curiosity about the world. I agree with her list. It's fantastic. Those four things. Indeed. Focus on those four. Anytime you, 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 you might feel worried or, oh, I'm not sure. Can I do this independent learning? Can I teach my children independently? Can I homeschool? Oh, I'm not sure. And you, and you think, oh, there's just so many things to learn. No, 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 no. It's these four. Focus on these four. Just these four. Just these four. Your, your child, if they, are, if they learn to work hard and be naturally curious and they can read well, They are naturally going to start learning a huge number of things. They're probably going to learn a lot more subjects and topics than you imagine. They'll probably learn a lot more than they would in school because they'll be following all these natural connections between topics that they're curious about. And of course, as the parent, as the leader, you'll also be introducing some topics and encouraging them to learn some things and explore some topics and encouraging curiosity about those topics too. That part, you really just relax about it. These four, basic math, the ability to read, and then the two mindsets, hard work and curiosity about the world. Okay, that's it. There's your recipe. There's your recipe for homeschooling. It's really pretty easy, isn't it? It doesn't require that many hours. I would say for elementary school age children, elementary school age, three hours a day is enough. Three hours a day, focused, 
on you know learning education whatever you're if you're using a something you a curriculum you bought then whatever you know they can be going through that or if you're just doing it yourself about three hours a day focused at home is usually enough for elementary younger school kids before teenager and then for teenager it can increase of course that if they start learning and they will start learning more complex things at that point it might be four four and a half hours a day so three hours a day for the younger young ones elementary school age like first grade second grade third grade and then when you start getting to kind of middle school age 13 14 15 and up it might increase to more like four, four and a half hours a day, something like that, which is still less than school. Good luck to you. I'll be talking about this topic more. Eventually, in a few years, I will share my personal <laughs> experiences with this, doing it myself directly. Maybe sooner than that, actually. But until then, I encourage you. It's powerful. It works. It's wonderful. It's a great mission we have. And this is really my bigger mission, even beyond just English. And I thank you for joining my VIP program and being a leader. Every VIP member, in my mind, is a leader for that reason. So, you know, join my VIP program. Speak English powerfully. Think in English. Speak confidently. Speak fluently. And as you do that, become an example that will inspire others to do the same and will inspire others to be independent learners. Positive, curious, independent learners. All right. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Join today. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com.